Uh, Dr. Ziegler sent us a picture, some of us who use a, a messaging app as the group, and uh, they had a room full of people. I believe there are about 10,000 people at the convention over the whole weekend, and as many as can stay for Sunday morning for a worship service together, and they open up several of the ballrooms and just fill the whole place. And so I know it's a wonderful time together, and we're thankful they could stay, and those 20 or so that remain will be coming home uh, here just a little while today, and we do appreciate uh, your prayers on their behalf. And as I was saying, I assumed we'd have a small crowd, but we have a pretty good-sized crowd as we normally do, and we're thankful that you're here. As I was looking about, we've got some who have been sick who are back with us. We've got some uh, family who's here uh, who sometimes visits with us. We've got newlyweds. I guess you still count them as newlyweds who are with us this morning. We're thankful uh, they're with us. We've got some who are true visitors. If you've never been with us before, uh, we are thankful that you are here and thankful you've come our way. And please hang around for just a moment and give us a, mo a chance to get to meet you and to greet you. Uh, we do have lunch that will be prepared here in just a few moments. If you'd like to stay with us, we'll have lunch as our services conclude. And then we will have a 1.30 service. Uh, just to make mention as well, as we mentioned, we're having to kind of back up and punt, as we say on several things. I had planned to go one direction this afternoon, but since we're talking about Jesus this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at the 130 service, at the idea of Jesus as a stone. So it won't be the, the outline that's in your bulletin. If you have a bulletin and you follow along in the outline in there, it won't be that outline. We're going to change uh, the topic for this afternoon. As we said, Clayton was not feeling good. We knew and we'd ask Travis if he would lead singing for him this afternoon. So uh, we're going to change the sermon as well and talk about Jesus being a stone. There's a particular passage in 1 Peter where uh, he talks about that, where he talks about Jesus being a stone. And so we're going to examine that. And we hope that you can stay with us for lunch. We hope that you can stay with us for our afternoon service. Uh, and we just appreciate you coming our way today. You know, today is one of those days where a lot of people are thinking about and wanting to honor Jesus. We're going to talk this morning about some of the ways that we have an opportunity to honor Jesus. We're thankful anytime that you come to our service here. We're thankful that anytime that someone would honor us with their presence, especially as a visitor, and come our way and, and be here as we try to honor Jesus each first day of the week. We appreciate Ricky mentioning that in his prayer and how we try to take a chance to do that. And we're going to get more to that in just a moment. The question might be, does the Bible tell us that we are to honor Jesus? If you have a Bible nearby, if you'd be turning to John chapter 5, John chapter 5, and we're going to lay the groundwork in just a moment to think about four points together this morning. When we think about what the Bible might say in regards to honoring Jesus, and especially on a day like today, we know that there are sometimes a few special days a year where, where people think more about Jesus than maybe they do the rest of the year. And what we would say, certainly, as we study the Bible is, there is absolutely nothing wrong and it is very good to think about Jesus's birth. And we want to do that. We want to do that more than just one particular season or day a year, but it's good to think about the birth of Jesus in a like manner today. It's good that people would think about the resurrection of Jesus. But can we, or maybe the question for us this morning is, should we think about not just those two moments or those two days in the life of Jesus, but can we, or should we honor him not just on a couple of days, can I suggest to you that we should not even just honor him 52 days a year? But as Jesus talks about here in John chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23, there are a couple of, of ideas that are evident as we think about this text. 
Jesus says here, beginning in verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You see, we notice here together that all people should honor Jesus. They should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The one who does not honor the Son, who does not honor Jesus, does not honor the Father who sent him. As we read about, and Jesus says it in multiple places, the only way to the Father is through the Son. And the one who is pleasing to the Son is also pleasing to the Father. This morning, what we want to do is to present a a few distinct ways to honor Jesus in actuality so that we thereby might honor the Son. But as we've already stated in our introduction, it helps us to understand some ways that we should also honor Him as we go throughout our life. Not just a couple of days a year, and not even just the, the Sundays of the year, but every day. Let's notice, first of all, this morning that we can honor Jesus with our possessions. In fact, did you know that the Bible actually says that? In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9, the Proverbs writer, the wise man says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. You see, the preacher sometimes talks about the things that we have in this life, right? And there's some that we like to pick on, and we talk about having a boat or having golf clubs or all these other things that we sometimes do. And it's easy to say, well, there's certain things that maybe seem extravagant to some people or some things that we do with our extra income that cause us uh, enjoyment, that cause us fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible does say to honor the Lord with your possessions. And the writer says there, and with the first fruits of all, all your increase. increase. We are to honor God and honor Jesus with our possessions. To honor the Lord with our possessions is to give of our means to give him of our living we appreciate jeff and jeff was kind of a a step in as well a pinch hitter this morning i appreciate him leading us not only in our thoughts for the communion and the lord's supper but also as we take just a moment as we take just a moment to think about our offering and our giving you know, I don't know, we have lots of debate, and I don't want to dovetail too much here, but we have lots of debate sometimes now about, about passing the trays or, or passing the baskets and whether, you know, some people are doing it again and some people aren't, and we kind of had to stop that during the time of the pandemic and all. But I think hopefully as we pass the basket, one thing that we did get out of that maybe was trying to spend a few more moments thinking about our giving. And we appreciate Jeff and others who pause for just a moment and we say a word of prayer. We mention that you can give still because we are told that's what we are to do. It's one way that we honor him. We don't give him our boat or our golf clubs or or our things in our house, our clothes, but we give him of our living, of our means, which is of our possessions. Paul talks about it in two different places. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2 where he talks about that we are on the first day of the week, that we are on the first day of the week to lay aside, to give. He mentions as well this time in the second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7, that we are to give, (coughs) excuse me, as we purpose in our heart. What does that mean? Well, it means not grabbing the change in the car. I'm sorry to say, I, maybe you've done that before, maybe even I have, at the last minute to just scribble out a check or to, to grab the $1 in the car. But it means purposing in our heart. This is not a lesson about giving, 
But if we are honoring Jesus with our possessions, we give as we purpose, as we think about it. We are stewards of the blessings of God. Can I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul would write there, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Are the clothes that you have, are the things that you have, is the money that you have, is it belong to God? Absolutely. You can use it and you should be found faithful in what you have. But we are simply stewards of the blessings of God and we have an opportunity to honor God and to honor Jesus with our possessions. You know, we've been talking about parables on Wednesday night. If you could be with us here in the auditorium, the ladies have been having their class and they enjoy that. But here in the auditorium, we've been discussing parables. We've talked a lot about parables that deal with our stuff. One of those is found in Luke chapter 16. And it is the parable of the unjust steward. Jesus talks there, specifically in verses 9 through 12, about the idea that our reward in eternity depends on our faithful stewardship here on earth. You see, Jesus says that we, we, you know, we mentioned this the other night, I think we were talking about the unjust steward. But we said what we say on this earth is you can't take it with you. Well, that's true, you know, you can't take your cash with you. But you do send things forward. You are to lay up your treasure in heaven. And so as we think about that, what we do with our stuff, our possessions here, it matters. And we should honor Jesus with our possessions. Secondly, this morning, we honor Jesus by partaking of his memorial supper. We do try to mention it from time to time, but whether it's Jeff or Gabe or, or Robert or, or many of the other men who lead us from time to time, who take a moment in our service to ask us to think, as Jesus has commanded us to do, as we are told in Scripture to do, but we are told to do it, but we still do our best to pause and to think about honoring Him. Jesus ordained the Lord's Supper so that we would remember His death. Again, Ricky mentioned it in his prayer, but we are so thankful for that. It's not just one or two days a year, but it's every first day of the week. Every week has a first day. And we assemble together here each first day of the week to honor him. And one way that we do that is by partaking of his memorial supper. Do you remember in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7? Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7. Some of you know Acts chapter 20 because when you get past verse 7, it's where that preacher preached until midnight and that guy fell out of the window, right? Y'all like to remind the preacher of that very often. But before you get to that part about poor Eutychus, in verse number 7, Paul is at Troas. And what does it say? You see, this is not Jesus speaking, but it's simply Luke recording for us what they were doing. And he says, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. As we read the book of Acts, we learn about what they were doing. And what they were doing was assembling each first day of the week to break bread. And we don't have time to get into it this morning, but that is not talking about having a meal. You see, we're going to have a meal in a few moments. And we started that about a year or so ago, and, and we love that. And that's a good thing. We sit around and we visit and we have a good time. But that's not the purpose of coming together. We can do that and we do. The purpose of coming together is to partake of the memorial supper. 
When we partake of the supper, we are to do it in the proper manner. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 29, where Paul writes about that. We won't take the time again to go through all of that, but what Paul does say very succinctly, if we could, is examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. You see, for some people, what the Lord's Supper is, is it's just a quick bump in the road to get to the rest of the songs or to get to the sermon or certainly to get done so that we can go on to other things in our life. Some, for some people, it's just what we do. But Paul says we are to actually spend time introspectively looking at ourselves to think about who we are and what we're doing and how we're living so that we properly discern the body of Christ. That is how we are to partake of the Lord's Supper. And when we do that, we honor him. You know, we think sometimes in our culture today, in our world, that, you know, we have these movies and TV shows sometimes, and it's, it's interesting to think about what if our thoughts were above our head, right? Or what if we could see above our head maybe if a person was a Christian or not? You know, that's something that you can do with technology. You can create a movie where maybe each person, you can tell by looking at them. What if we could tell, if we were to look around the auditorium during the Lord's Supper, how many people are properly honoring Jesus and how many people are dishonoring him and his death by partaking of the Lord's Supper flippantly, by not even thinking about it, by not properly discerning the Lord's body. For Christians, this is why we should come together. We love the singing. We enjoy the prayers that lift us up and, and hopefully the time studying God's word. But we are to honor Jesus. And we do so by partaking of his memorial feast, his memorial supper. And to fail to do that is to dishonor Christ. You know, James would write in James chapter 4 and verse number 17, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you know there's good things to be done and you're not doing them, myself included, it's sin. We are to assemble together as Christians, assemble together to honor him. And when we don't, we dishonor him. This is another way that we can honor Jesus. But number three, we can honor Jesus by imitating him, by imitating him. We're to be like him. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 2 in verse number 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He continues on there through verses 6 through 11. Do you remember a while back, some of you were in the auditorium class and we studied this book and we studied this passage. We called it, some people call it the Messiah poem. Because verses 6 through 11 continue on to talk about exactly what Jesus did. But before Paul says, hey, before I'm going to tell you about what Jesus did, let me remind you that you need to be like him. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you that. And it's why verses 6 through 11 need to be read as well. But we are to be like him. Peter would write, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. He didn't just suffer because he wanted to suffer. He didn't just suffer so that we would have something to talk about. He suffered, leaving us an example that you and me should follow in his steps. That is why he suffered. To leave an example that we should imitate him and be like him. We're to be conformed to his image, are we not? 
Again, Paul in multiple passages, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, he says that we are to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. He would write in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 that we are predestined to be conformed. You know, we still got a little one in our house who likes to play with Play-Doh from time to time, right? And most of us remember playing with Play-Doh. You take that Play-Doh and you conform it to something. You, you wrap it around. You make something. We are to be conformed to the image of his dear son. We are to wrap ourselves around Jesus as we read about him to conform our lives as much as we can to him. We imitate him. And when we do that, we honor him. When we think about that image, when we think about what he looks like, we don't have time this morning to go through every passage, but if I could just give you a few suggestions this morning, when we imitate him, there are some things we must do. Number one, we must do the Father's will, right? That's just what Jesus did. He mentions it in multiple places. He said, I came to do the Father's will. John chapter 6 and verse number 38 is one of those places. He says, I did not come to do what I want to do. I didn't come to live how I want to live. I didn't come to have fun and just enjoy myself here on this earth. I came to do the Father's will. May we be able to say the same thing. I'm here. I'm serving him. I want to honor Jesus. I'm going to do the Father's will. If we're going to imitate him, we must, number two, serve as he served. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 28 that Jesus says that he came to not to be served, but to serve? How many people wanted to make him this Messiah on the horse or a person on a throne and they would come to him and wash his feet and they would come to him and see to his needs and yet what did he do? He spent every moment that he could serving others, washing the feet of others. And if we are going to be like him, imitate him, we need to serve, not be served. We need to be compassionate, number three. Compassionate just as he was. We touched on this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week, as we thought about the idea of Jesus going about doing good. That's what he did. And we're thankful for that. We need to be people who are compassionate to others. Next, we need to pray as he did. We need to pray as he did. Do you remember in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35? You know, we see several things that mention and discuss how Jesus prayed. We can talk about and read about the prayer life of Jesus. I don't know if you're an early riser or not. I sometimes struggle with that. I'm more of a night owl, I guess you would say, staying up a little bit later and having trouble getting up and going in the morning sometimes. But maybe some of you are early risers. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it says that Jesus, in the morning, having risen long before daylight. I'm not suggesting that's the only way you have to be. But certainly if you are an early riser, what a better way to spend some, some of the earliest moments in the morning. Can I challenge you if you're a night owl, and I'll challenge myself, that maybe every once in a while it would be beneficial to try to get up a little earlier in the morning and spend a few moments in prayer to God. Jesus often was trying to find moments of solitude. Sometimes that early morning, and by the way, even late at night, there's nothing wrong with a specific time, but to spend a few moments in solitude praying. If we want to imitate him, we need to in his prayer life as well. And we might even say finally that we need to forgive as he forgave. 
We think about Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. You remember one of those statements of Jesus on the cross? What does he say? Father, forgive them. Where is he? He's hanging on the cross. He's not standing nearby. It's, it's not some other time. You see, I could say to somebody, I forgive you before they've even done anything. And I don't know if that even really counts or not. We could argue about that. But I could say it anytime I want to say it. But in the moment when someone has wronged you, even Jesus, as he is here hanging on the cross, he's willing to forgive. Should we not have that spirit as well? If we are going to honor him, we must do so by imitating him and even forgiving as he forgave. You know, we sometimes give Jesus a lot of different names. Some of them are scriptural, right, straight from scripture. Others we kind of add on like Jesus, the master teacher. Well, we might even call Jesus, Jesus the ideal. He's, he's the ideal of what we should be. He was the epitome of goodness, as we've already mentioned. No one can match his character and his life. But we should strive to imitate him. His teaching, as we said, being the master teacher, is far superior to anything that we can do here. We love our teachers here. We appreciate all those who teach our children in our other classes. And some of them do a great job preparing and studying. We do our best to present the word of God, but we cannot touch what Jesus would do. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, as the Sermon on the Mount is ending and Jesus is beginning to go through his ministry, Matthew records for us that the people were astonished at his teaching. The people were astonished. And in John chapter 7, you may remember that Jesus says, or excuse me, not Jesus says, but others say about him that no one ever spoke like this man. If you turn to John chapter 7, you might notice in verse number 43 that actually how that begins is it's recorded for us that the people were divided. Some were believing, some were not believing. They're divided. But do you know what they agree on? That nobody ever spoke like this man. It doesn't matter if we agree or disagree in one sense. We can agree that nobody ever spoke as he did. His teaching is wonderful. He is the ideal. And if we want to honor him, we would honor him, not just with our physical possessions, not just as we go about this life, not just as we think about the Lord's Supper, and not even just as we think about imitating him. But finally this morning, we honor Jesus by confessing him. Confessing him. You may recall, of course, the famous words that we often quote. If I'm not mistaken, the passage will be on the screen here in just a moment. But Romans 10, 9 and 10. That we are to verbally confess the Lord Jesus. Paul would write there and tell those in Rome and tell us as well that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. We need to verbally confess him as the Lord Jesus. We must confess Jesus as Lord because he is God. John would talk in John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 about how the word became flesh. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God and we honor him as we confess him as Lord. And of course, Matthew chapter 10, as we just said a moment ago, he says, if you confess me, 
before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And if you don't, he says, we're going to have a problem. Essentially, if you will not honor me that way, if we fail to confess him before men, he's not going to confess us before the Father. And of course, we know as we think about the idea of confessing the name of Jesus in the last day, everyone will. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 11, verse number 10 says that every knee shall bow. Verse number 11 says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, we sometimes talk in life about things that are absolutes, right? You may have heard the phrase death and taxes, even as we're in the midst of tax season, right? Death and taxes are the only absolutes in this world. Can I suggest to you that, number one, death is not an absolute. If the Lord were to return today, we would not die as we think about dying. So it's not an absolute for, for every person. But also one of the absolutes, or maybe two that we should add to that, is that every knee shall bow and every tongue should confess. Maybe it's in a little bit different way as we think about Jesus returning. But we know that in the last day, all will confess him. So we must continue to confess him on a daily basis basis don't be one of those people who waits until that moment when it's compelled upon you to do it in the last day live your life imitating him confessing him and honoring him right now and can i suggest to you that that should be a daily confession you see we're about to put a slide up on the screen in just a moment that says that you are to confess jesus as lord and that's true that's part of the gospel plan of salvation but it should never Never, ever be a one-time confession. You need to do it as you become gospel obedient, but it continues for our whole lifetime. In fact, we do it through our whole lifetime and not even verbally. We do it with our actions and the way that we live. It's manifested in the way that we live each and every day. And we confess him when we make a stand for him and his word. One final passage, if you still have your Bible open, Luke chapter 9. I wanted to notice this together very quickly. Luke chapter 9, verses and verse number 26. We're going to go back and look at 23 through 25 because I'm afraid this is one of those passages. If you're familiar with some passages that you'll say, if I got you started, you might could quote beginning in verse 23, right? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We know that. We even sometimes add verses 24 and 25. If you desire to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you desire whoever loses his life for my sake, will save it. Verse 25, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or is destroyed and lost, as Luke says here? But what do we do? We stop there. We don't finish out the rest of that section. Jesus has some more words. If you have words in red, you see it. Notice verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. He says, as he talks about confession, he also talks about here being ashamed. Jesus begins to paint a picture and he does all throughout his words of an either-or situation. One or the other. That on the day of judgment, we're not going to stand before God and before the judgment seat of Christ and say, God, can I have a little more time? God, can I go back and have some do-overs? Can, can you just let me try again? 
We're not going to have an opportunity to say, I, I want to change my mind. I want to now do differently. You see, the time will be up and it will be one or the other. Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. He talks about the left and the right. He talks about confessing us before the Father or not confessing us. Here in Luke, he says, I'm ashamed or I'm not ashamed. But whatever it might be, he says it's an either or proposition. Which is why we take time, each service, as we assemble here to extend the gospel invitation, heaven's invitation. That's what he offers here in Luke chapter 9. He does extend the invitation to come and follow him, to honor him every day with your life. If you're not a Christian this morning, will you not honor Jesus today by confessing him, confessing his name before this audience? When you do that, you can then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the reason for baptism. It's not to be then voted on to be added to the church. It's not some magical water in one sense. You've got to be baptized right here. This is the only special water in the world. You honor Jesus by confessing him and then by going through the gospel. Dying to self, being buried, immersed in water, rising again to walk in newness of life. It's in that water, in a sense, that you come in contact with the blood of Christ that can take away sin. And then the Lord can add you to his church. You can begin to honor Jesus today with your life by confessing him. However, at the same time, many of you have done that. You've made the confession one time. You've made the confession to honor him and you've taken that moment and that opportunity to do that. But you have not continued to do so. You see, when Jesus talks about the gospel plan of salvation, that is what we are to do, but we are also to remain faithful. If you're here this morning and you're a child of God, but you've wandered away, if there's sin in your life that you would like to make known, then we would gladly pray with you and for you. One of our elders will be coming forward in just a moment. We appreciate, again, as is often prayed for by our men here, our elders who shepherd, who love and care for us, who want to pray with us and for us. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, but it's often a difficult thing to come to the front, to make a confession, to say that maybe I've been wrong or that I need prayer. That's all right. There's no better crowd that will be assembled together than to love you and to pray for you and with you. We had a wonderful Sunday last Sunday when we saw two folks come forward and say, I need prayers. I want to encourage you with my thoughts. I want to ask for forgiveness. It helps all of us strive to be better. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared or nervous. If you would want to become a Christian this day, or by the way, as we sometimes try to say, if you'd like to study you more, we would study with you this very day. If you'd like to come back to him, if you would like your brothers and sisters to pray with you and for you, we would love to assist you now. Even